Now, there is a story told in the Bible about the first king of Israel, King Saul, right? One day, the enemies of Israel, the Philistines, decided to go to war against Israel. King Saul orders all his troops to gather at the town of Gilgal for the battle. Now, at this time in Israel, uh, God has made it clear that uh, Israel cannot go to war until the priest or the prophet has prayed for the army and offered sacrifices to God. That's the order God has set. Now, the priest and prophet at this time is Samuel. So King Saul goes and has a chat with Samuel. And Samuel says to the king, King Saul, go to Gilgal, yes, go there with the army, but please wait for seven days. Don't attack until I show up. Don't do it at any cost. I'll be there within seven days. So King Saul now goes to Gilgal. He has now arrived. Day one passes. No sight of Samuel. Day two, Big Sam is still missing. Day three, day four, day five. And now it's day six. Still not sure. And King Saul is getting restless. And there's a good reason why he's getting restless. Because soldiers have started deserting him. He's thinking, if I keep waiting, I might not have an army left here to fight against the Philistines. So, but he works day six. And now day seven arrives. So King Saul looks around. Yes, it's meant to be a whole seven days, but it's not coming easy. He's had enough. And so instead of waiting, what Saul does is he takes a shortcut. He decides to become the priest for the day, right? He offers up prayers to God, sacrifices, just as Samuel would do himself. But just before King Saul finishes doing this, Guess who shows up? Samuel. And here is what the prophet Samuel says to him in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 13 to 14. It says this, Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of our Lord, of the Lord your God, with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Samuel is saying to Saul, King Saul, your lack of patience before God and for me, his prophet, is going to cost you. You are now finished. And your kids will never be kings. And if you know, if you read on now, well, the rest is history, isn't it? It all came to pass. In the end, King Saul died a miserable death, lived a miserable life, and died a miserable death. All because he couldn't wait for Samuel for a few hours. Just a few hours. Now, today we are looking at, we're talking about patience. And the specific patience, patience with each other. And we are looking at this issue because we've been exploring Colossians chapter 3, uh, verse 12, as part of our exploration through Colossians. And this morning we're actually coming to the end of uh, verse 12. It says this, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, 
compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. In this verse, Paul has been teaching us how all followers of Christ should relate to each other. And this morning, as I said, we're looking at that last word there. Patience. Patience. What is patience? Well, the original word for patience used here is long-suffering. And in fact, if you've got the King James Version, that's the word it uses. It directly just translates that. And that's very close. That is exactly what patience is. Patience is suffering that is not quick to claim or assert its rights. A patient person is willing to suffer the cost of waiting for something they want. And in Colossians 3, verse 12, as I said, the patience Paul has in mind here is a specific patience. It is patience with people God has placed in your life. Look at verse 12 there again. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate acts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And then he goes on to say, bearing with one another. Because, of course, it's a relational patience. Paul is saying to the Colossians and us, don't be in a hurry to claim your right when you're dealing with other people. Put others first. Be willing to suffer long for others. Be patient. Be patient. What type of situations do we find ourselves in where we need to show patience to other people? I think at least there are three situations, aren't there? First of all, we need to show patience when we are being mistreated or being treated unfairly. That's the first situation we find ourselves in where we need to show patience. We are meant to patiently endure mistreatment without being resentful or bitter. Uh, This may be mistreatment from slander or malice. It may be ridicule from people, scorn, Insults, a rude word at the checkout from someone, or even persecution. Like the Lord Jesus endured patiently persecution. And the early church did. People can mistreat us in different situations, as I said. It can be from those you live with. In fact, that is the arena where our patience is most tested. Those we live with. It may be your neighbors, or friends at work, or colleagues. As I said, friends at work, who I hope are colleagues, right? Or maybe when you call the local council, right? And all you get is a rude message at the end of the line. I had that this, this past week from tired employees, right? Or at a busy self-checkout when tempers are flaring up during Christmas. And Easter is coming. In whatever situation we're in, where we feel we're being treated badly or unfairly, our God wants us to endure mistreatment patiently. Be patient with people God has placed in your life. And mistreatment comes in different ways, isn't it? So we need to be patient with those who mistreat us, and we need to be or just unfair or unmindful of us. Secondly, we need to show patience when we are provoked. When we are provoked. Provocation is different from mistreatment. 
Because when we are provoked, we are power to do something about the other person quickly. Provocation usually happens in a situation where someone is defying our authority. And we have the power and authority to teach them a lesson. It's not always the case, but it's usually the case where we are exercising some authority. We cannot mistreat Her Majesty's government because the government has what political scientists call a monopoly of violence. They have more guns than us. We have none, actually, in this country. Right? So the government can do what it likes. You cannot mistreat the government. But you can provoke the government. The government seems to have been provoked by COVID, but I'll move on. Now, <laughs> children, in most cases, provoke their parents rather than mistreat them. It's, it can happen. A parent can be mistreated by the child, but most of the time, the parent is actually provoked by the child. The parent always has power to really punish the child if he or she wants. And of course, the child usually tempts the parent. So that, you know, if the parent punches the child, the child will turn around and claim they are the victim, right? By it's provocation, that's what happens in, the fa- in families. I'm also guessing, in most cases, a teacher is more likely to be provoked by our students rather than being mistreated. But I know teachers may not agree with me on that. They may feel they, have, they are not being provoked because their authority is so limited. But I think in most cases, teachers are provoked rather than mistreated. Same thing with the boss at work. Um, when the boss, at work, the boss at work is being bullied by the junior staff, they are being provoked rather than saying being mistreated because, of course, the boss can do something about it. If you are currently being provoked by someone, God wants you to suffer long towards them. He wants you to lovingly be patient towards them. The final situation in which we need to be patient is we need to be patient with the shortcomings of others. I'm talking about here behavior of other people which is not directed at us per se, right? Most of the time, we need to be patient with others, not because they are mistreating us or they are uh, trying to provoke us, but it's just the way they behave. They're just like that. Perhaps the people you find irritating is a certain royal couple uh, who shall not be named who live in the U.S. You turn on the television and they just get on your names. You're struggling with the way they behave. You find them irritating. You need to be patient with them. Or perhaps it's close to home, right? Your brother or sister snores at night, right? And it is robbing you of much-needed sleep. And you're finding it very irritating. And of course, there's a church, isn't there? Perhaps you find how another person prays annoying. (laughs) You think they should be more boring like you. No, sorry. (laughs) More holy, right? More holy, right? All of us are prone to find faults and failures in people that that, that seems to drive us mad. What does God want us to do? God wants you, if you're a follower of Jesus, to be patient with the shortcomings of other people. In fact, the Apostle Paul mentions this very thing in verse 13. Look at that. Because he goes on to doesn't he? Put on then as God's chosen one, holy and beloved compassionate kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. 
We'll look at that verse actually more detail as part of forgiveness. But it's necessary here as part of patience. To bear with others means to tolerate them or overlook their faults. To be patient to them. So three areas we are meant to be patient towards others. When we are mistreated. When we are, um, we, when we are mistreated. Uh, where we are in situation which we are provoked. Or where we uh, are having to deal with the shortcomings of others. God wants us to be patient. I wonder, are you, as you sit here this morning, growing in patience? Are you growing in patience when you are mistreated? Are you growing in patience when you are provoked? Are you bearing with the shortcomings of your spouse, your children, people at the church, at your place of work? I wonder, what situation have you been in recently where you are not patient with someone? As you sit here this morning, who is God calling you right now to be patient towards? If you are a follower of Christ, you need to repent of any spiritual weeds in your life that are choking your growth in showing patience to others. Come before God this morning. Confess to Him that this sin is a problem for you. Do not underestimate the heinousness of impatience. It is a serious thing to be impatient towards others. Impatience with others is a heinous sin before God. Why do I say that? Why do I think that my impatience towards my wife or my daughter or other people is a heinous sin before God? I am impatient with the government when it mistreats me. Why? Because I am not meek before God. You are impatient towards those who provoke you. Uh, you are impatient towards the provocations of those people you line manage, for example, at work, because you are not humble enough to bear with your junior staff. You are impatient towards the irritating habits of other believers because you lack true warmth and compassionate feelings towards them. Do you see how these verses are related to one another? Patience is at the end because it is a fruit of the failure to do everything that Paul has been talking about in verse 12. Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness. It is a fruit of sinning in those areas. So it's heinous. Secondly, when we're impatient with other people, it's heinous because when we're impatient with other people, we are basically trying to control them. I am temporarily claiming rights that belong to God alone. Only God can control people. Impatience says, I have a right to demand that person act my way and act now. It is a God complex. It is playing God. Idolatry of the worst kind. And that leads us to the main problem with impatience. When we are impatient, we are being self-reliant, self-worshipping. We are not willing to wait on God, to depend on Him. Being patient is the opposite of impatience, isn't it? Being patient is depending on God, not on us. Waiting on God. When we are impatient, we are saying to God, I don't need to wait on you. 
I want my way now. I want that person to act quickly now for me. And this is teaching us something very serious about patience. Our patience with other people starts from a true patient heart before God. Patience with others comes from a heart that trusts God. A heart that is first and foremost waiting on God. We are willing to wait for God's timing. The problem is not the other person, you see. The problem is with us. It's not the behavior of that person. It is us. Are we willing to let God be God in our situation? Or are we tired of depending on God to act for us? When we are tired of waiting on God, we become impatient, demanding. We struggle to be patient because we are not willing, you see, to die to self. We are not willing to put God first and let him direct how we relate to others. Let him direct how others relate to us. It's a heinous sin. But the good news is that if we are true followers of Christ, not only has Christ forgiven us of our sins, past, present, and future, we have a new capacity from God to grow us. We have a new capacity from God because he's given us a new heart that can grow in trusting God And as we grow in trusting God, it results in patience with other people. That's why we need to read this verse, starting from verse 9, isn't it? Paul says, do not lie to one another, he says. Seeing that you are put off the old self, the old humanity, with its practices, and have put on the new self, a new humanity, which is being renewed, changed, transformed, in the knowledge after the image of his creator, who is the creator, the Lord Jesus Christ. Here then... Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. In light of this new humanity, put on then as God's chosen ones, verse 12, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and of course, patience. Paul is saying in verse 12, do not be impatient with one another. Keep growing in patience because this is now your new nature in Christ. It is who you are. You are put on Christ now. And Christ is full of patience. And as you grow to be like Christ, you should be growing to be patient like him. Because Christ is full of patience. When we look through the Gospels, we are amazed. Just so many ways in which the patience of Christ is displayed. First we see that Christ was patient with himself. As we read through the gospel, it becomes clear that Christ knew who he was from a very young age. He was aware that he had come, by the age of 12, he was aware that he had come from his father to do a great work. Do you remember how he told his parents in Luke 2 verse 49, do you not know that I'm supposed to be in my father's house? And yet, though he knew who he was, throughout his teenage years, his early adulthood, Christ did not try to start his ministry. He waited for 18 years at least in silent 
patient preparation. You know, many of us struggle to wait. We struggle to wait to use our gifts at the right time. You know, imagine if you were in the shoes of Christ, you would have started ministry as a toddler. If you knew what Christ knew about himself, you would have started ministry as a toddler. Right there. Mass crowds as a toddler. The toddler king. Not Christ. He was patient with himself, even as a young boy. He was patient because he's our perfect man. And he was patient because he's our perfect God. Christ as God had complete power over himself. That's what patience is, by the way. It's power over yourself. Patience and self-control are connected. And Christ had that complete power over himself. He can wait. And he waited. And we see the patience of Christ only over himself as he starts his ministry. The devil comes to him. What does the devil do? At the beginning, the devil tempts him with glory. Instant glory. Satan says to Jesus, worship me and all of these things will be yours. No need to spend three years in ministry. No need to be betrayed by people you love. No need to suffer shame on the cross. You can have glory and you can have it right now. If you worship me. How does Christ respond? He chases Satan away. And he patiently submits the will of the Father to suffer on the cross for us. Christ was patient over himself. Secondly, Christ was patient with those who opposed or rejected him. Again, as we read the Gospels, we we come across the critics of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they are following Christ everywhere, aren't they? And of course, our Lord Jesus can destroy them at any moment. He can, if he chooses. We ask ourselves, why is Christ putting up with these people? He is God in the flesh. He can destroy them all. And it's not just the Pharisees, isn't it? We read in Luke 9 that at one point Christ is rejected by a Samaritan village, right? And this annoys James and John, the disciples, greatly. They are so annoyed, they ask Christ to basically send fire from heaven on the town. They are like, let's try a new way to evangelize. How about fire from heaven? This could be a game changer. Lord, if you send down fire from heaven, everyone would definitely bow down. They will know who you are. How does the Lord react to James and John's suggestion? He rebukes them. He rebukes James and John. Because that's our Jesus, isn't it? The king of love, the king of patience. He is slow to anger towards his enemies. He bears with our hypocrisy and blindness. He bears with sinners. And of course, we see the patience of Christ towards his enemies shine so brightly in how he suffered at the hands of sinners. Human beings he created. Christ patiently, willingly allowed himself to be arrested, tried, tortured, and killed by filthy sinners. He allowed evil men to lay hands on him, to murder him, to bury him. Our Lord Jesus patiently endured the cross for us, the cross of shame. He patiently suffered for us. Such patience. Patience over himself, 
patience with those who oppose him. You are opposing Christ at the moment. You haven't repented and turned to him. Christ is still patient towards you. He's waiting for you to repent. He's not going to be patient forever. But he's right now patient towards you. He's waiting for you to repent and to come to him. And Christ, you know, was patient in a third way. With those who came to him for help. You know, nothing was too much trouble for him. Have you been having a busy week? Christ was the busiest man who ever lived. And yet he always had time for others. No time was wrong for him to reach out. Think of the patience of Christ to that woman who bled for 12 years. She comes in the middle of the crowd. He's busy, he's bustling. Christ actually is on his way to see Jairus' daughter. He's already busy. And so the woman reaches out, touches Jesus' cloak, and she's healed and she hides. And you think, that's enough, Jesus, move along, keep going. Right? Job is done. No, he stops. He patiently seeks her out. That's our Jesus. He's not content for us to be just hiding in the back. He wants us to encounter him, to know him. He's patient with us. And who can forget the patience of Christ with the little children and their mothers? In Mark 10, we read about the bambinos being brought to Christ, don't they? They are being brought to him. The disciples don't like it. They're impatient with the mothers. I imagine them saying, look, the office of the Messiah has no appointments today. We are busy, right? Jesus is not blessing babies today. Go away. How does the Lord Jesus react to the disciples? Mark tells us that he was indignant with them. He was angry with the disciples. They had forgotten that he is our patient and loving Savior. And the loving Savior of children. He always has time for those who need help. Are you struggling here this morning? Do you feel God has forgotten you? Christ is patient towards you. He's ready to help. And that brings us to the final way we see the patience of Christ. Christ was not only patient uh, towards his enemies, over himself, towards his enemies, uh, and, and towards those who needed help. Christ, we see the patience of Christ towards the disciples. You know, the disciples of Christ constantly tested his patience, right? <laughs> and, 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 and Christ felt the test. He felt it. He felt the pain of the test. Because we read about it, Christ often asking questions, are you still so slow, slow to believe? Are you still so down? Do you not understand? How long shall I be with you? For three years, Christ had been with them day and night. He poured all of his energy, all of his resources into them. And we read through the scripture that they repeatedly let him down, even towards the end. And yet, for all their unbelief, for their unbelief of the disciples, the Lord Jesus was always patient with them. You know, the Apostle Paul summarized the heart of Christ like this in John 3, 13, verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. 
And Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, that love is what? Patient. The Lord Jesus was patient with the disciples to the end. He's our patient king. Are you not glad this morning that Christ is patient towards you? Think about how you have let him down so often, even this past week. His disposition towards you is like the same disposition he had towards Peter and the disciples. And there I say, Judas, he was patient with them to the end. Christ is patient with his disciples. And it is because we know that we've been saved by our patient Savior, our patient King, the Lord Jesus, and share life with him. That's why Paul is saying these words in verse 12. Put on them as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Paul is saying to the Colossians and us, you now belong to God in Christ who is full of patience. How can you then be impatient? You are put on his nature and you are meant to be growing into him. So keep on growing. Keep on growing in patience. Keep on waiting on God to act for you in everything. And let your patience before God grow your patience towards others. How then do we grow in patience? How do you grow in patience as a wife? How do you grow in patience as a husband? How do you grow in patience as a mom? How do you grow in patience as an employee? How do you grow in patience as a member of the church? Is there somebody who attends here? How do you grow in patience as a citizen of this country? How do you grow in patience in this world where there's so much wickedness? Well, we have looked, you should know the answer. I mean, we could end the sermon here because you just need to apply the last five messages and, and apply them. What we talk about meekness, humility, and everything else, you can apply them here. But I'll make the job quickly for you. Let's run through this. Let me just remind you a few things on your outline. Four things I've put there. There could have been six. But just four things. Be convinced that being patient is good for you. That's the first thing. Be convinced that being patient is good for you. Beloved, don't take that for granted. This is no small thing. It is no small thing in this world to be convinced that patience is good for you. Because we are living in a society that does not value patience. It looks at being patient as some sort of weakness. Just, you just need to watch The Apprentice. The projection of impatience is what Sal and Sugar and the Donald Trumps project. Because it's what makes for effective management, apparently. Getting people on the edge. The word says, be impatient and you go places. And you know, people have never been more impatient. I mean, people have always been impatient, but it's worse today. Because technology has amplified our impatience. We feel we can have everything now. We live in the Insta age, right? Instagram, instant coffee, instant dating. We want things now. So it's not easy for you to be convinced patience is good for you. Therefore, as a, as a, as a, as a follower of Christ, you really need to work at this. You are going here countercultural. What you are hearing this morning, perhaps I'm living in the Maybe you think, why is the pastor going on? We have a different topic. That's the culture speaking, you see. It doesn't resonate. It doesn't excite you to think about patience. It's like, why are we so boring? Why are we talking about this thing? Well, because that's the culture talking. It doesn't hit you because the culture is preaching, has been preaching 365 days a year, a different message in patience, in patience, in patience, in patience. And of course, when you're here today, you're like, come on, move on, move on. Right? Be convinced 
Patience is good for you. Why is it good for you? Well, because the opposite is not good for you, right? As you've seen already, as you've heard already, impatience is a heinous sin. God hates it, right? So it's avoid sinning against God. And if you're a true follower of Christ, by the way, God will not let you get away with impatience. I think what he's going to do is he's going to keep bringing people who test your patience. <laughs> right? <laughs> to grow you in that. <laughs> That's a good side. The bad side is God disciplines you like so. That's the bad side. It can get worse. It can get worse. So avoid that. Because you don't want the negative. But also, go for patience. Because it's actually positively good for you. In a positive way. If you're a follower of Christ, you are growing when you're patient to resemble Christ. And as I keep reminding you, there's no one happier than Christ. And so if you're growing to be patient like Christ, you're growing in happiness to be like him. And patience is also good because it is good for your relationships. It brings happy and fruitful relationship with the people God has placed in your life. You know, you can't have a happy home without growing in patience towards your husband or your wife. You cannot parent your children without patience. If you are going to raise children who believe that you love and deeply care for them, you need to grow in patience towards them. You cannot have a healthy relationship with your non-Christian neighbors, your friends at work and your work colleagues without growing in patience towards them. You cannot be an effective evangelist without patience. You can't pastor without patience. You can't teach the kids in Sundays without patience. You can't lead the women. You can't lead the men. You can't period be effective for the kingdom of God without this virtue. And I think one of the reasons many of us are so unfruitful in ministry is because we lack patience. We have, the reason we, many of us lack deep and loving friendships is because we lack patience. We are not willing to suffer along with others. Look, for example, marriage is born out of incredible patience. A fruitful marriage. Do you want your marriage to last 30, 40, 50 years? Patience is vital. It's not the only ingredient. Some things are in the sovereign plan of God. And we'll come to that when we are looking at... In fact, all things, by the way, I should say, are in the sovereign plan of God. But you get what I mean, right? God could have... We can't make anything. God is the one who overrules all things. But I believe all things... With God being sovereign, one way God exercises sovereignty in our lives is by making us patient. Patience is good for you. You want to have good friendships you can look back on. 10, 30 years. More. Lifelong friends. Patience. Because good friendships are tested friendships. So patience is good for us. It's the first thing. Second thing, you must pray for patience, right? For the fifth time, but not the last time, you cannot do anything without prayer. You are not going to be patient simply by thinking about it. Beg God for it. Pray to God. How should you pray? As I said before, three things. Pray to God to give you a patient act. Pray to God to, give you, to make you patient in situations that make you feel impatient. Finally, pray for people you struggle to be patient towards. 
Those three things. The third thing we should do, remind yourself of who you are in Christ. We said again this many times. Keep going back to verse 12. Verse 12 is there for a reason at the beginning of that. Put on then, in light of being God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, have patience. Do you see that? That's what verse 12 is getting at. Those three things about who we are, as we're reminded of who we are, we grow in being patient. You struggle with Patience, because sometimes you think other people are making your life impossible. Why are you impatient? I mean, why are you always impatient? Because you think they're denying you the piece of the pie, you're placing the sun as it were. Right? That's why you're impatient. Right? But you as a child of God shouldn't be looking at what other people do to you. Look at verse 12 of who you are in Christ. Verse 12 is saying your life is never out of control if you're a follower of Christ. Because your life is being held in the hands of the same Savior whose hands bled for you at Calvary. You are holy, set apart for him. You are chosen before the foundation of the world. And you are loved with an eternal love. God has engraved your name in the palm of his hands. Colossians 3.12. You remember those things? You relate well with others. Finally, meditate on the person of Christ and we'll end here. The more you think of how patient Christ is towards you, the more you rest in Christ. So give yourself to read the Bible with an eye on the person of Christ. Study the patient heart of Christ in the scriptures. There's more we can say. There are more things. Accountability, using the means of grace. But those four things are enough to get on with. Uh, the, the point is then, just to conclude today, we have learned about patience, isn't it? Let's just be reminded, what is patience? Patience is being willing to suffer the cost of waiting for something we want. God wants you to grow in showing patience to those who mistreat you, those who provoke you, or simply irritate you in some way. He wants you to grow in suffering long. How do you grow in patience? Well, those four things. Be convinced it is good for you. Pray to God for it. Remind yourself of your identity in Christ and study the patient character of Christ or the patient character of God. Amen.